Do you hear that sound? That is the sound of the waves crashing against a bay, but not just any bay. It's a Baywatch because this is a Baywatch podcast. In fact, this is Baywatch Rookie School, a podcast where two men who have never watched Baywatch before try and watch Baywatch. I'm Michael Eisen. And I'm Morgan Thrapp. And uh, Michael, this is once again a very special episode, isn't it? It is, because this is yet again a guest episode. We have good friend and friend of the podcast, John Gilbert, on to help us talk about this godforsaken episode. John, how are you? <laughs> hey guys, I'm pretty good. First time caller, long time listener. <laughs> long time. It's only been, oh God, 16 episodes of this. Wow. Okay. <laughs> 17 I mean, if we count the pilot. It uh, <laughs> accelerated or decelerated in these these current times we live in. So That's, that's fair. Um, so this episode is called Snake Eyes. Uh, and I assure you that 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 episode name is less impressive than they thought it was. Um, mm-hmm. But it was written by Kate uh, Bautier and directed by Gus Draconis, who directs basically every other episode for the last few episodes. And it was originally aired February 9th, 1990. So guest actors here. First, we have R.J. Williams, who plays Jeremy in this episode, who is Hobie's friend. He is pretty interesting. He's done a lot of producing in Hollywood, and he's an accomplished voice actor. So here are some things that he's done voice acting for. Ahem. Tailspin. Shake, rattle, and roll. Kissy fur. Disney's Adventures of the Gummy Bears, and my favorite... Dink, the little dinosaur. (laughs) (laughs) I've never watched it, never heard of it, but now I kind of want to. Uh, But he's been a lot of stuff. Uh, Also of note is Don Elaine, who plays a waitress in this episode. Her next role, nine years later, would be in S Club 7, the TV show. And then two years after that, she'd return to her roots. And in the Drew Carey show, she would again play a waitress. And that's her entire career. (laughs) Uh, It's really sad. Um, But those are all your guest actors other than uh, Amanda in this episode, who really didn't go on to do much after Baywatch. Uh, So with that out of the way, Morgan, you want to take us into the episode? Yeah, I I'm just surprised the uh, casino owner never went anywhere. What with his very good acting in this episode. So I I at first could not remember his name and I thought he looked a lot like Dracula. So in my notes, every single time he appears, I call him Vlad Tepish. Um, So that's just what I'm going to call him. He's definitely a guy who you can tell he's not a great guy from the second he's on screen. And not human. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Baywatch, not a show known for its subtlety. <laughs> or humanity. Uh, any aspect. <laughs> um, but yeah, let's uh, let's get into it. We open with Shawnee and Eddie uh, taking a little drive in an RX-7, uh, which is an amazing car because it has a Dorito for an engine. Uh, I literally have in my notes here, Eddie and Shawnee arrive in a car Morgan will describe. it's it's such an iconic car of its time because it uses what's called a rotary engine 
um, where instead of pistons going up and down, there's a big triangle in the center of it that spins, and it's really cool. And also it explodes a lot, which is why there aren't more. <laughs> oh. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's cool. And it was in uh, one of the main cars in Initial D, other than the 86, so... You know. Everyone's favorite show, Initial D, other than Baywatch. Oh, yeah. You know, all of our all of our fans sure watch Initial D. I'm sure of it. <laughs> John, would you describe yourself as an Initial D head? Uh, yeah, it's definitely a show I've heard of before five seconds ago. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have all the archives saved and watch them regularly. <laughs> or maybe archive. Just a D lister for Initial D. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I've seen two and a half episodes. I've seen none of it. Yeah. <laughs> I know of it. I just, I don't know why I'd want to watch an anime about cars. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> um, I wanted to watch more of it, but it made me uncomfortable. Because it's bad? Um, <laughs> it's, yeah. <laughs> anyway, we'll we'll start our own initial D-spin-off podcast. Someday. Okay, great. Um. The other thing that I found very amusing about this particular drive is that their dialogue sounds extremely 80 yard in because it doesn't sound part of the scene until they get out of the car. Nope. Um, they also got like the classic TV show, very close, convenient parking spot, like right in front of the dock. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like, is this even a parking spot? Like, I would be suspicious <laughs> to park here. I would just assume I'd be towed immediately. I think it's I think it's probably company parking only. I mean, mm. look, they're they're disobeying the law this entire episode. This is the True. start of it. Yeah, it yeah, it looked much more like just like a loading area <laughs> than it did a parking spot, <laughs> uh, which is ironic because this is a loading area for a plot. Ooh, hey, like a rim shot sound effect we can cue. <laughs> <laughs> We've never gotten into using a soundboard on this podcast, but this might be the episode for it. We'll have to see if I remember when I'm editing. We'll, we'll have to get all of our novelty soundboards. It's just, you know, like the best of Johnny Carson soundboard. <laughs> I actually I like um, this idea a lot. Anyways. Yeah, yeah. Um, Shawnee and Eddie are here because they're going to go on a fancy boat ride to a floating casino with Court and his date. Um, and it's super sketchy on the outside, but it's oh so fancy on the inside. Mm, is it? Shawnee worries that it is illegal, uh, but Court says that it's okay because they have spotters and they can turn this whole casino into a ballroom in 30 seconds. Yeah, which... If true, is impressive. <laughs> it's weird that there's like a basically cashier etched into the wall which is a clear like casino sign and yet they can convert it into a ballroom (laughs) also like don't know that a boat just sitting in a harbor is like not suspicious at all for however long this like rusty ship is there also the yeah the idea that one you could like press a button and everything would like flip under a secret door into two a ballroom in a random ship in the port why would people be going here for ballroom dancing yeah it's not like this is some nice cruise ship or something no i don't know how those old studebakers are running it's (laughs) (laughs) i really hope studebaker is some secret type of dance that i've never heard of before and that's their cover (laughs) 
You know, I actually don't think I know what a Studebaker is, now that I think about it. I think it's just like an old kind of car, like, from the 50s or 60s. Uh, Morgan, how do you not know this? I know. Also, <laughs> what that's like the worst, like, that's the worst password phrase I could think of. Not yeah. not really, but it's up there. Yeah. I'm looking up what a Studebaker is right now. Oh, you know what a Studebaker is. Morgan, you've seen a Studebaker before. It's a, yeah, it's an old American wagon, basically. Oh, okay. Like in the Packard era of cars, I think. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Like 16 ton cars that will explode if they hit, uh, like, street (laughs) sign. That seems to be a theme, is cars that will explode. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) That's the subtlety in the show that we don't usually get. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, this time we only hint at an explosion instead of directly cutting back and forth between shots of leaking oil tanks and fire for 10 minutes. Fun fact, uh, in looking up Studebaker, in 1987, Studebaker tried to um, they tried to register the brand name of Studebaker jeans, uh, but they never did anything with it and canceled that in 1996. <laughs> uh but this was after their also failed attempt to make Studebaker hi-fi audio equipment. So they failed on both of those and just stuck with cars that explode. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, back to gambling. Yeah. Uh, Shawnee points out that her and Eddie are broke, so they can't afford to gamble. But Eddie retorts, we can't afford to lose. <laughs> just... Sets you up for the quality of writing that we're going to see in this episode. Oh, God. <laughs> she And she even has a 20. And I'm like, th- look at this place. Like, it's not, it's not, it's dingy, but it's not that dingy. $20 is going to get you nowhere when people are betting, like, $1,000. Yeah, it does feel a little bit like maybe she can play some slot machines, you know? There's no slots here. You can't turn that into a ballroom. I mean, we do literally see slot machines at one. <laughs> Don't ruin the bet. <laughs> Next, we see Mitch, who's getting ready to go on a date with Amanda. Um, but it turns out, big plot twist here, Obi- Hobie is old enough to pick his own frozen dinner now. Specifically, there are different kinds of chicken pot pies, and he can pick which <laughs> kind. And I don't know what the different kinds of chicken pot pie are. <laughs> There's Marie Callender's and, like, Bird's Eye or whatever. That's Amy's, maybe. <laughs> but, yeah, like, were- are th- are they early on the organic train back in 1990? <laughs> <laughs> I I grew up with Amy's as the kosher brand, not the like organic brand. But even then, uh, chicken pot pie, aka chicken with dairy, doesn't necessarily <laughs> seem that kosher. <laughs> Maybe that's just me. Mitch asks if Hobie's okay with him and Amanda dating, and Hobie's kind of reluctantly okay. Um, Next, we cut back to the casino, uh, which we do a lot throughout this episode where we have a five second scene and then cut to another five second scene and then another one. Um, And it drove me a little bit bananas because Mm -hmm. I couldn't just stay focused on anything. Um, But Mr. Danvi, the Danvier, I believe, as it's pronounced in the episode. Vlad. uh, 
the casino owner takes notice of Court being a showboat, um, and he walks over to Court and Eddie and throws some shade at Eddie, and Court picks up that, hey, we should get out of here, and Eddie does not. Because as we understand throughout watching all the episodes of Baywatch, Eddie is a little shithead, and he's not smart, and mm-hmm. he never learns from his mistakes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was a little confused, like, how Court, like, found out about this, or, like, why Donvier didn't seem to know Court's name, because, like, it seems like they know each other later on, but he asked the, like... Vanilla Ice looking henchman, like what? Yeah. <laughs> with the like quintessential early 90s flat top. Oh man. I loved that it. That goon, that goon is such a look. <laughs> my, my feeling was that Don Vier was so evil that he didn't need to remember the individual names, and that's why he had Vanilla Ice do it for him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a great sense. And he has, like, the most foreshadowing, like, I look forward to meeting you once you no longer have the advantage of beginner's luck. It's like, could you, like, <laughs> show that shit's going to go bad <laughs> later on anymore that you you're right now? <laughs> you know, the sad thing is, because that's actually subtle by Baywatch standards, I didn't even pick it up the first time. <laughs> Morgan. <laughs> this, like, how do you even, like, have a job now? I imagine, like, Baywatch has ruined all ability for you to, like, have free thinking. You're like, I, I can only do things if they tell me 20 minutes ahead of time. <laughs> yeah, I will say this was the first episode of Baywatch I'd ever seen, so... Um, Ooh. So what do you what do you think you're gonna gonna keep watching the show or? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Probably not. But <laughs> it's good to know that it's there if I need it. You'll listen to yeah. us talk about it though. Yeah, it's better than I expected. I will say that is, I think, what Morgan and I have come out of this with too. Yeah, but not not by a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyway, next up, we've got Mitch and Amanda walking on the beach. And uh, Mitch tells her that if he'd had an eighth grade teacher as hot as her, he would have done absolutely anything to stay after school. And she is flattered by the fact that Mitch says that if he was in eighth grade, he would have hit on her a bunch. And I was just weirded out by this scene. I didn't like it. <laughs> my, my favorite part is... Uh, that euphemisms didn't exist back in 1990. So when she said, would you have clapped my erasers? She didn't mean anything else other than clapping erasers. Yeah. (laughs) It very much threw me off. I was not expecting that line. I was like, holy shit, Baywatch, what? (laughs) Yeah, just clapping, clapping those erasers to spray that white stuff everywhere. Um, Anyway. No. on. (laughs) Next up, Jill drives up to Shawnee, and her and Shawnee talk for a bit on the beach. Uh, Eddie's been gambling more and getting lucky, even. Uh, He is supposed to work a shift, but he has Shawnee cover so that he can go gamble more. He runs out of money after a little bit, but takes a 2K marker to keep gambling. And then right after this, just so that we can establish what happens if you don't pay your marker... Um, a guy doesn't pay his marker, and so the casino guards throw him overboard, which seems 
like a bad way to ever get your money back because I don't think he's going to be swimming all the way back to the beach from there. They also like punch him in the nuts before they do that, which is a little more than they needed to do. Like maybe just throwing him off with two people was probably enough. Right. I had that same thought watching it. If like, you're already throwing the guy overboard. Like you don't also need to punch him. Like there are two big glaring problems I have with this scene. The first Mm -hmm. is that a lot of people are going out to gamble at like 11 a.m. on a Tuesday, it feels like. Like, this seems just odd that there's that many people there. And two, their whole operation is flawed because you don't ever have to pay as long as you can survive getting beat up. We have no evidence that they ever come after you, so you just either win you take a small beating and then you just disappear and you never come back to the boat. So like, <laughs> why would you ever be worried about paying back your debt after just getting beaten up once? Yeah, that's a good point. Like it maybe maybe if they showed them like going on land and like pursuing someone, it would have been a little bit different. But otherwise, you're just like, once you get back to shore, you're fine. Yeah. I just imagine the henchmen and Donvier live on this boat and there's like somewhere that's not like completely rusty and full of tetanus that they live in for some reason. I I definitely feel like they live on this boat. Like yeah. when we see the little bits of the rest of the boat in our bond mission thing <laughs> that we Ugh. get to um it it definitely makes it look like this is just like a tiny section of the boat we're seeing and they like live there but even still there's like there's Donvier and like two henchmen and this is an enormous freighter. Like, what are they doing with the rest of that space? Orgy. <laughs> <laughs> straight up orgy. It's got. It's the only thing that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. They're just clapping erasers all over the boat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't I mean, sexier than the risk of tetanus. <laughs> I can't. I can't keep using clapping erasers. I. I'll drive myself crazy. I can't do that. This episode is the origin of the phrase "clap that ass." It's. <laughs> The erasers have evolved into ass later on. <laughs> oh, man. No. <laughs> Next up, uh, Amanda stayed over at Mitch's place last night, uh, and now they're getting ready to fuck in the kitchen. Um, and Excuse me. Some kids. <laughs> some kids skateboard by, and then Amanda's like, oh, wait. It would be weird if Hobie saw me like this. And that's kind of the whole scene. I mean, it would have been weird for anyone to have seen you two fucking in the kitchen. Uh, <laughs> luckily, we they spare us. Uh, and instead, they just get in- anxious. And that's it. I know what I imagine that sex in the 1990s is really just a bunch of people getting anxious. And then next scene. <laughs> that's just how it works. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, was a little young to have any firsthand experience, so. Yeah, I will. Uh, just only a little. <laughs> it it sounds equally right to me. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's I, I learned from the best, and that's how I do it today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, next up, we've got, we've got a brief scene here that starts in the best way possible um, with with a man in 
New Balance sneakers, <laughs> blue jeans, a blue like button or like zip down jacket, an amazing 90s mustache, sunglasses and some wild hair dancing back and forth before he catches a football. Um, it's beautiful. And it's just uh, it's magnificent. Um, and while this is going on, Hobie and his friend are biking in the ocean. <laughs> yep, just <laughs> weaving around rocks on the beach and actually having the tide come up to where their bikes are. Like, <laughs> I I think they just grew up in L.A. on the beach, so maybe this is normal, but it seems weird to, like, ride your bike in the hardest place to ride your bike, which is <laughs> yeah. a rocky beach. <laughs> No, I completely agree with you. And it feels like more than likely what happens when the tide comes in is it like is going to pull you into the ocean like it's pulling all the sand with you. And it's not like you have like fat like truck tires or something like it's like skinny little bike tires. (laughs) I don't know. Seems well. I just like the way you say fat truck tires. I don't know. (laughs) It just makes me laugh. (laughs) (laughs) But anyways, um, in this scene, we get our first taste of uh, Dink the Dinosaur Jeremy. Um, <laughs> and every line that Jeremy has in this episode, it makes me laugh because he says everything in a way that no normal human has ever said words before. Yes. Um, but in this case, it's the most normal of his lines where he talks to Jeremy or he talks to Hobie about, oh, there's a book report coming up. Uh, did you do it? Did you read a book? And Hobie says, oh, yeah, that thing. And spoilers for later, he does not. But we also find out later what book specifically he was supposed to read and did not. So spoilers. We'll find out. Ooh. I I don't even remember what book it is. They don't tell you. I had to do some deep investigation. <laughs> well, one of the kids oh, wow. read David Copperfield, which seems like a like advanced book for whatever age Hobie is supposed to be. David, you, you mean the magician? Yes. <laughs> the autobiography of David Copperfield. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, David Copperfield's life is all about you know, fake stuff. So it's just a fiction book. Mm-hmm. That's how that works. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I went like, to college. <laughs> <laughs> like, one of the weird lines Jeremy has is, like, I wish my dad was dating the teacher, which, like, is a very weird thing to say, since apparently his dad is still married to his mom. Yes. Yeah. He just, just seems like a shitty little kid. <laughs> I know. Specifically, he says this because Hobie says that he no longer has to do homework now that Mitch and Amanda are dating. Um, and yeah, it was that's it's the, just that seems like a very like fourth grader thing to say. But remember, Hobie is 13. We keep on having to remind ourselves of this because he has the maturity of a two year old sometimes and the maturity of a 36 year old sometimes. He's actually in the middle at eighth grade at 13, <laughs> uh, but he doesn't act like it. Yeah. All of the kids on this show are just so much written by men in their 40s and it is certainly something look when you have to face the lifeguard wars of 1985 it ages you you just don't come back out of that the same person yeah (laughs) next up we go to shawnee's tower uh where 
Shawnee is waiting with Jill for Eddie, but he is two hours late. No, scratch that. Two hours and ten minutes late. Um, And at this point, he finally shows up after Jill and Shawnee banter for a while about how men always forget everything. And all of Jill's examples, Shawnee has brought. And it's definitely very funny. Um, (laughs) Once Eddie shows up, Shawnee is justifiably mad at him and tells him to keep the picnic basket and just leaves. Yeah, and like she doesn't appear again in the episode, which I think is like a big power move from her to just be like, you know what, fuck <laughs> off, Eddie. Like, I did here for two hours on my day off. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm I'm just now realizing that she really does not appear in the rest of this episode. Holy crap, you're right. Yeah. That is wild. <laughs> I was like, wow, she really was pissed at him for good reason. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would be, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's he's really being a shitty person in this episode. Just this like, episode? Well, I was going to say, like, I the only episode that comes to mind where he's being, like, significantly shittier is uh, whatever the domestic violence episode is called. Cruise ship. Um, cruise ship. Yeah. Boat episodes so are bad ships, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm hmm. But don't worry, because we've got some real good news up next, which is that it's time for a montage. Um, now, Mitch, wait, hold on one second mm-hmm. here. John, correct me if I'm wrong. You watched both versions of this episode. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the only difference was the song. But yes, I, they both just sounded like kind of generic late 80s rock to me. So. I mean that's that's fair. I I just want to I just want to put it out there that you will you will vouch for the credibility of each of us boasting about our version of the song. <laughs> they are both very powerful ballads to how powerful love can be. So I I do think that you both have a case. <laughs> the thing I love about the version in the original um is that it is One Good Woman by Peter Cetera, who was one of the original members of Chicago. And that feels like a surprisingly big get for this show. But he, he's also the the artist behind the intro theme to from season two on of Baywatch. Yep. Um, now, this is contrasted to this version. Um in which we get a song called Perfect Match by Keith England. Uh, besides having a great name, Keith England is very, and I mean very, into the Allman Brothers. As in, <laughs> he has done nine Allman Brothers cover albums. Um, <laughs> oh, which is a lot. Is that more albums than the Allman Brothers had? I'd have to ask my father. Uh, now, his pin tweet is also him talking about being on stage with the Allman Brothers, but he's not in the picture, which is funny to me. (laughs) What's more, he eventually joined the Allman Brothers as a background singer and would do lead vocals occasionally on tour when the singer got sick. So I guess it's just a dream come true for him. Um, I wonder wonder what year he joined the Allman Brothers, because I have actually seen them live in concert I think two or three times. 
so it's possible that I've seen him. You probably saw yeah. him, but that would have to mean that the singer was sick. True. I guess. True. Now, yeah, I've invited our, our guest to to read for you the lyrics. Uh, so, John, please take it away. Guess I never knew when I fell for you that our love was truly undeniable. We go hand in hand like the sea and sand. <laughs> Sorry, these are so bad. I forgot how bad these were. <laughs> like a heart and soul are undividable. Our love is indescribable. <laughs> we go together like heaven and earth. Like a poet and a verse. We go together where each other's catch. And baby, we are a perfect match. match. <laughs> You're so beautiful. I can't take it all. There's no word to call you. Everything we do is more fun with two. Like it's all brand new and unforgettable. <laughs> Our love is unmistakable. We go together like heaven and earth, like a poet and verse. We go together, we're each other's catch, and baby, we're a perfect match. Um, and then this is the best <laughs> verse coming up. We go together like needle and thread, like a pillow on a bed. <laughs> there's no illusion, there's no catch, because baby, we are a perfect match. This is our moment. This is the time we will remember. We got to make the most of every second of every day. God damn. End scene. Beautiful. Beautiful. Maybe the greatest song to have ever songed. <laughs> like, I think I think the first time I watched, I, like, just tuned out the lyrics, and then I paid attention the second time, and was like, like a pillow on a bed, huh? Like, that's, <laughs> that's the metaphor you came up with, or the simile. Yeah. That's normally how this goes. I, I hear it once, and I'm like... Okay, this was a scene, and the second time I'm like, I gotta, I gotta write down these lyrics or copy and paste these lyrics. Oh boy, these are bad. <laughs> and and like this scene, also what's happening during the scene is Mitch and Amanda are out, and they're like filming each other on a port on like this camera. I, I think it's like it looks like an old Super Eight <laughs> camera, which makes no sense to be using that on the beach. And it's like them filming each other, and then going out on swings and stuff, and it. It's like it would be cute if the music were in any way also helping that vibe, but it's making it worse. <laughs> it's like yeah, pretty bad quality filming too. Like it's, I guess, art, supposed to be artistic, but it's just like black and white and blurry, which maybe is the <laughs> point. But you see, black know. and white and blurry is like love because. <laughs> Love, love, you never know what love is really all about. It's blurry. And it's just, it exists in duality, black and white, you know? Mm -hmm. It's true. I mean, John, you're married. I mean, this is exactly what love is like for you, right? It's just like taking a Super 8 and trying to film something and keep it steady while you're on a swing. It's growing <laughs> a kayak on land and throwing my girlfriend into the, the ocean repeatedly. The sand. You got to rhyme it. You got to oh, rhyme it. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but it is amazing how many times they just get soaking wet in this montage. Yeah. I think my favorite is the first time when they get hit by a wave and then just like stare at each other and go, what? We would have known that could happen. And she's wearing like a cable knit sweater on the beach, which seems like just the worst thing to get 
soaking wet. <laughs> well, yeah. what we've learned yeah. from Baywatch is that the perfect attire to wear on the beach is a sweater. Mm-hmm. They do it all the time, and I don't get why. Like, they're not filming in the winter anymore. They don't need to wear sweaters, but they still do it anyways. <laughs> yeah. Next up, we've got Eddie, and he is learning how to count cards. No, he's not. Shop. <laughs> he's just flipping cards and waiting until he gets <laughs> blackjack. He's not learning anything. <laughs> Someone sh- someone shuffles for you on the boat. It's not like you're like, oh, man, I've used up all the cards. There's only two cards left. It's my turn to win. <laughs> like, what is your plan here? And he gets so excited when he deals himself a blackjack. Like, oh, my luck's really turned around now. Like, because he dealt himself one blackjack. <laughs> you're statistically yeah. gonna at some point. <laughs> Much much like how all of us feel about Eddie's plan to try and win back all his money at the casino, uh, Court shows up and also thinks it's a fucking terrible idea and that Eddie should not, in fact, go back to the casino to try and win back his money. Um, but Eddie doesn't believe him. So Court leaves and then Eddie decides to uh, borrow some money from the till um, in which he writes a note and says, I'm sorry, I've taken money from your cash register. Then we go to the school where Amanda is handing back book reports. And it turns out that, in fact, Hobie actually did need to do his homework because he did get an F because he didn't do his book report. Now, the important part here is, do you know what book he did it on? Not at all. No. So I did some very expert CSI level zoom and enhancing here. Um, <laughs> and I was able to deduce that his five line book report is on Robinson Crusoe. Okay. Ah. But he didn't read any of it. So I don't know anything about it because I only learn about the literary <laughs> classics from Baywatch. <laughs> yeah like he really thought he didn't need to do anything like it's literally a paragraph on a page like i yeah. <laughs> i i also have to say the person who did read david copperfield has like the best mullet and like the best feathered hair mullet i have seen for like a 13 mm-hmm. year old kid oh yeah like he should get an award yeah i'm sure i'm sure he got typecast they're like we're looking uh we're getting a casting call out we need kid with mullet to be in school and he was like i've trained all my life for this and they're like just like a mullet it's a waiting room full of blonde kids with terrible haircuts that are (laughs) this is i mean the time that they're in this is 1990 that describes everyone just (laughs) looking like zachary tyler bryant from uh home improvement basically (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's what he looks like yep <laughs> yeah i uh, there's part of the scene that i actually snort laughed at which is um amanda goes up to jeremy and tells him he used evocative prose and then he asks if this is good and she pats his ham and and then just says you gotta be and it was actually like really funny <laughs> <laughs> yeah no that was that was pretty good but next up we see the repercussions of this scene, which is that Hobie goes to Mitch and tells him that actually I'm not okay with you and Amanda dating. And he says that it's because he's being teased about it at school. Um, and Mitch says, wait, but I'm in love with Amanda. And Hobie says, wait, really? Oh, okay. I guess that's all you had to say. And now it's fine. Um, 
And this scene was dumb. <laughs> yeah, I, at, on the first scene where he's like, oh, yeah, you already see each other a lot, so I guess I'm fine with this. I was like, oh, that's, you know, pretty mature way of handling this. And then he reverts back to, like, five-year-old, like, she didn't give me an A on the five-sentence p- paper I wrote. I hate her. <laughs> you have to fall in love with someone else instead, Dad. Like, <laughs> well, maybe maybe Hobie actually invented Cliff Notes. <laughs> Yeah, that's what <laughs> that was the clip of Robinson Crusoe, and millions of kids have failed their book report since then. I mean, I, I like to think uh, so. F- fun fact here: John and I went to college together, and uh, there was one philosophy class in in college where John had taken the same philosophy class a quarter before me, and was like. Oh yeah, like here's here's what we're uh here's what you're going to be talking about like you know if you want some like help and I was like yeah sure whatever. Um uh and so what I did was I was like oh well John has some interesting points let me like focus on that but I didn't like copy from John but I was like oh I'm going to I'm going to use that as like some inspiration on what to write on which was good because the other 90% of the class used the same cliff notes website, uh, for everything. <laughs> and our teacher found out and he was like, look, you can't all be going to like, like, like David's good cliff org and be stealing all, all of these cliff notes on Schopenhauer. Okay. He's completely wrong. And I'm going to tell you why. And so we took like one whole class session where he like pulled up, these cliff notes on works of Schopenhauer and was like, this is why it's wrong. And everyone there was like, like upset that they had to go through with this and they, they didn't want to do any work. And I'm over here with an A just because I was like, yeah, I just listened to John Gilbert. I was, <laughs> he's, he's my cliff notes. So I think Hobie is in fact the John Gilbert for the rest of the world, because Aww. he in those five, this is a compliment, I think. Don't worry. Uh, <laughs> he in those five sentences summed up everything you need to know about Robinson Crusoe. Everything. And you know what? Who gives a shit about David Copperfield, right? He did nothing. Nothing that's worth summing up in five sentences, anyways. So I think Hobie actually deserves an A for bettering literature. Yeah. That's my rant. <laughs> <laughs> gotta hand it to dr heller for like owning the class that hard and like just spending in a whole class going through the spark notes that they clearly took it from that's that is that's really impressive it is pretty impressive also because like he always had like pizza stains on his shirt and everybody's paper came back with coffee stains like everywhere and you couldn't really make out what your letter grade was so you have to go back up to him and he's like you're like, did I get an A or did I get a C? And he's like, oh, I'm sorry about that. You got a C. <laughs> and they're like, dang. He was like the prototypical, like, absent-minded philosophy professor with like a tweed jacket with elbow patches and all that. So, and wow. he had like the like not yet Einstein hair, but like getting their hair. Um, but also, rest in peace, Doctor Heller. So, yeah, R.I.P. 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 in peace. <laughs> Anyways, moving on to more important things. Mitch is yet again in this scene shown as like the most consistently well-written character because in every, well, almost every episode, Mitch is shown being an actually good father. Uh, in this case, like 
yet again, he tells Hobie he doesn't want to mess up his life. He has feelings for her. He's in love with her. How can they work together to figure out how to make both of them happy? Uh, and I'm like, God, like from everything I remember of like 90s television, this would have just been him. It, it, any other show would have been him telling them, well, you know what? You're a little kid. Uh, and I'm the parent, and what I say goes, so shut up and go to your room. And in this case, he's treating him like an adult, uh, even though, like, Hopi is giving him many reasons to believe that he is not an adult. And, like, again, I'm impressed with the way they write Mitch. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I agree with you. I think this and uh, the slightly later scene with him and Hopi on the beach, I think are both very good examples of how Mitch may not always be written well in other contexts, but I do think at least in the context of his relationship with Hobie, I think is fairly consistently well written. Agreed. Yeah, I think I was surprised at how much like how charismatic Hasselhoff seems to be in this because like I only really know him as the caricature of himself he became later mm-hmm. on. So it's weird to see him like, oh, I see why he was really popular and like Hat seems like a good dad. Like, it all makes sense to me after seeing this, whereas I only know him as, like, the epic meme that he became. The guy crying into a cheeseburger. Yeah, you know, I wasn't going (laughs) to necessarily mention that particular episode, but yes, that is one of the things that comes to mind. It's it's funny because I actually uh, texted Morgan in the middle of the week and said, okay, I think I'm firmly in the David Hasselhoff is a good actor camp. Uh, and I stand by that because as I seen episode from episode, I'm like, shit, everything I thought about David Hasselhoff, where I thought it was just this like smarmy bad actor actually proven to be pretty wrong. He has good range. He's the most believable actor. Uh, he's, he's damn good. Yeah, no, I would, I would honestly surprisingly agree with you. And that is not a statement I would have thought I agreed with before we started this podcast. <laughs> yep. Agreed. <laughs> Now we've got some more gambling. Uh, Eddie is back on the boat and gambling uh, when Mr. Donvier shows up to cut him off and tell him, hey, you got to pay up for your markers. And Eddie's like, listen, I can only pay you back if I win at these games. And Mr. Donvier is like, you're a dumbass. I don't (laughs) care. Um, Fuck you. Pay me. (laughs) Exactly. And Eddie's like, well, okay, fine. Let me finish this hand. And he loses and then says, okay, what if I pay you tomorrow? (laughs) Um, And Mr. Donvier is not having it. And Eddie's like, but I don't have any money. I can't even afford the boat home. And Mr. Donvier says, you don't have to worry about paying for the boat home. And then one of the goons drags Eddie behind a speedboat back to the shore. And this scene... Was very funny. It's hilarious. <laughs> they keep yelling at him to stop, like he's like not doing this on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and the like the uh, flat top henchman like doesn't seem to be like taking any joy out of it, and he just like <laughs> yeah, he just has like a blank expression basically. Like he's not angry at him. He just like eh, this is my job. I'm just gonna do it. I guess <laughs> it's all in a day's work. Um. There was the line from Donvier there where it's like, our preferred language is cash. 
And then he says, <laughs> uh, I can't pay till tomorrow. And then he says, we don't like hearing that in any language. And it's like, who the fuck talks like this? Like, this is just like a a Bond villain, but in like an unauthorized version of Bond where like they couldn't afford a real villain to be in it. Oh, yeah. I mean, so, so much of this episode is a unauthorized Bond ripoff. Yeah. Like, <laughs> this, it, what, I mean, clearly, yeah, they were going for Bond. What they ended up with was, okay, new rant, um, is <laughs> one of the two, two most famous Bond ripoffs uh, that are different cultural versions of Bond. So in France, you have, uh, actually, it came before Bond, was OSS 117. Um, but mm. OSS 117 was just a long running uh, series of novels about a spy. It uh, didn't have the Bond tropes at all, wasn't supposed to be a womanizer, wasn't supposed to be like cool. He just was this, you know, operative of the French Secret Service. And then as Bond became more popular, they're like, whoa, I want money. So they started turning him into into Bond. And then the big resurgence came in like the late late 2000s, early 2010s. Uh, when Jean Dujardin, who's famous for winning the best actor uh, for Oscar for the actor, um, he starred as OSS 117, who just is Bond, basically, in it, but French Bond. And the other one is Lupin Third, which is Japanese Bond, sort of, uh, which is based off of the Japanese version of OSS 117, which is Golgo mm. 13. So... Japan also had their own case of we have like a a Bond-ish or like a detective guy that we're going to then turn into something more like Bond, which then became Lupin III. Lupin III, most notably, also started the career of Hayao Miyazaki, who founded Studio Ghibli, who brought you all of your favorite movies and Ponyo, because that one sucks. (laughs) Uh, But... Yeah, they were really going for Bond, and they ended up with something that was the worst of all worlds. Um, Like Johnny English, but not funny. Yeah, (laughs) or like uh, The Tuxedo. Do you remember that that, uh, Jackie Chan movie where he has a tuxedo that allows him to do kung fu? I remember of it. I did not see that particular film. Neither did I. Uh, (laughs) Another thing about this scene that I find interesting is that they... They specifically say cash, but Eddie owes over $2,000. Why would he just have that on cash? Shouldn't they have like an ATM machine on the boat? And then he goes like, here's my card, charge my card. Uh, But this is also 1990, so maybe they don't have that. I just feel like it's inconvenient because you might have to go back to land and be like, I got to go back to land and go to the bank and get you the Uh, $2,000. We're going to beat you up and then they're not going to give you money at the bank because you look like you got beat up <laughs> yeah famously everyone knows that banks have laws where if you look beat up well look banks <laughs> banks are discriminatory okay <laughs> <laughs> sure i just didn't realize that Looking beat up was a uh, class that they frequently discriminated. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. It, it's it's there in Laws of the Bank by Adam mm-hmm. Smith. <laughs> Next up, uh, Craig finds Eddie washed up on the shore in more ways than one. Um, 
but Eddie doesn't want Craig to tell anyone for unclear reasons. Um, I think he's embarrassed or something. He doesn't really try and explain. It's why. it's because he's from Philly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Craig just like ran across him when he was running, I guess. Yep. He happened to find him like after his yeah. two mile flim. This is yeah. the only time we've ever really seen Craig do exercise also. So it seems very convenient. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, a lot of this show, the plot relies very heavily on the fact that the plot needs to move forward as a driving force for why the plot moves forward. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Deus Ex Machina, the beach edition. <laughs> Deus Ex Adakina. You get it? Yeah. It's like the dock, and there's water there, and this is Baywatch. Yeah. Yeah. We, okay. Well, sure there. you get it. <laughs> now, um, Eddie and Craig are at Court's place, um, and Eddie says that there's nothing I could have done. And Court's like, you could have not gone. And Eddie says, but I was feeling lucky. And Court goes, oh, yank the chain, man. Where the hell was your damn brain? <laughs> <laughs> Which is a wonderful line. Um, and then Craig says that Court is at fault for introducing Eddie to this casino. And then Court says, hey, don't go knocking on my back door, Pomeroy. Um, which is up there with uh, clapping erasers as reasons why apparently innuendos just didn't exist in the 90s. Um, Court and Craig ask Eddie how much he lost, uh, and Eddie tells him 3000 at 20%. And Craig says, but it's an illegal gambling operation. The debt won't hold up in court. Um which famously mobsters always <laughs> obey all laws. Um, <laughs> and then Craig goes to call the police, but court's like, no, you can't do that because it's Eddie's fault that he lost the money. Yeah, this is so, so weird. Can't call the police. And I didn't understand it. It's not for a good reason. Like a good reason would be Eddie and court would be complicit because they participated in the illegal gambling, but it's right. not. It's that Eddie lost money. Uh, and it's what <laughs> it's, yeah. it doesn't make any sense at all. Maybe yeah. this was just the only way they could talk about police abolition in the early nineties. <laughs> oh yeah. A cap. They're big on yeah. that. Yeah. Court's a big anti-cop guy. I can tell. Yeah. 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 Just, you know, one of his best friends is a cop, but he's like, I would kill him if I could. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Famously, famously, that's what people who are, you know, uh, arguing for, well, like defunding the police or what do you know what I mean? Yeah. But a cab stands for all cops are bones, right? <laughs> because they want them dead. Right. So they all want yeah. them to be bones. No, no, they all, they all want uh police work to happen exactly like it does on bones. <laughs> oh, so we should only hire Emily Deschanel and that's it. And I mean, and David Boreanaz. Sorry, yeah. I forgot. He's the clear star of Bones, not the character <laughs> whose name is Bones. Gotta have something for everybody, you know? Mm-hmm. 
I feel I've watched, I tried to watch a few episodes of Bones, and part of the problem was is that I watched Bones and Criminal Minds in the same day, and somehow (laughs) my mind regressed into such mush that I enjoyed watching wrestling that week. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, yeah, both of those shows I did not enjoy. However, I would like to see a crossover called Criminal Bones, which is about <laughs> skeletons doing crime. I think it should start uh, should star Tim Robinson, uh, but specifically <laughs> Tim Robinson in the Bone sketch of yeah. I think you should leave. But mm-hmm. bones are their money, so it, it's a very lucrative, lucrative but, idea. But so are the worms. <laughs> so you got a real wormsy bonesy problem here. <laughs> <laughs> don't even know what that means nope but it's probably going to be the episode title <laughs> probably um speaking of which speaking of which mm-hmm. amanda shows up at mitch's and he says we got a problem and they oh, yeah. agree it's hobie <laughs> let's let's get rid of him <laughs> All hobies are bones. <laughs> Ahab. Ahab. <laughs> sequel to Moby Dick. We didn't know we needed it. It's not Moby Dick anymore. It's Moby Mitch. <laughs> Mitchy Dick. No, that's way worse. I love it. No, even you know some exist at this time. It's okay. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Um, I also want to talk about in this scene Amanda's power suit because Ooh. it's amazing. <laughs> it's almost over the top. Yeah, it's pure bubblegum pink. Oh yeah, I don't know enough about '90s fashion to know if this was ever a fashionable look because it does look like someone cosplaying as like a strict school teacher from the 1920s a little bit. Um. With the like super buttoned up white freely collar on the shirt, but yeah, it's a it's a look. Let's let's keep let's keep this fashion in mind for later. Let's do some research on it. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, they've uh, they've got a little problem because Hobie's upset now, and Amanda thinks that it's because of the F she gave him, and Mitch thinks it isn't. Um, and then Amanda is like, "Well, Hobie only gave a shit." Once he started failing my class and then Mitch gets mad at Amanda that Amanda didn't rat Hobie out to Mitch earlier, which seemed weird and shitty. Um, I, I can see both sides here in regards that like he's like, I'm dating you. I kind of thought I'd be priority on on us if we did become a thing. But mostly he's wrong in that she should yeah. deal it with it with the student rather than the teacher, but also it's her job as a teacher. If a student keeps on failing to talk to the parent and be like, is there something going on at home or is there something going on that I should know about? I mean, she said she's going to talk to him after class, right? When she gave him the horrible paper, like, yeah, you'd think they would have covered it there and maybe Hobie would have talked to his dad about it, but. I like to think that instead what happened was is she's actually a master of quick change magic. And so what she did is she switched from that outfit to this outfit and came straight over to Mitch's and has not yet talked to Hobie. Could be. Because 
time in this show is like irrelevant. Like, <laughs> as far as we know, this is like one and a half days. Yeah. No, that is actually very fair. Um, but yeah, it just like we also don't have a we don't have any reason to believe this is a pattern. Like, it kind of just seems like Hobie fucked up one book report. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I think they, they mentioned that there's been missed assignments, but that's so okay. vague uh, that, like, we have no clue. Honestly, we have more clue of how Jeremy does in school than we do Hobie. <laughs> it seems like yeah. it's a begrudging B that he gets... <laughs> and a pat yeah. on the head. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the pat that tells you everything you need to know. Yeah, but this scene isn't over yet because uh, Amanda leaves after this, but she forgot her briefcase, and Hobie knocks it over and finds the answer sheet for the quiz tomorrow, which is very helpfully lettered and outlined, or labeled and outlined. Pop quiz. Do you want? Um, do you want to know what's on the quiz? Yes. Okay. So the quiz is um, now. This seems very um, degrading for an eighth grade class. Uh, but <laughs> it, the, there's the first question is in the book that we've read. Uh, there are use cases of to be and to lay. Tell me which case it is, and I'm like. What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> two. I thought you were going to say to be or not to blank. No, no. And two, that's like third grade shit. That's like I'm learning grammar. Hobie's yeah. 13 unless he's lying to us yet again. And it, mm. it, it gives us more reason to believe that they have also not figured out what Hobie's age is. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Also, like he I, I really wanted to figure out what his answers were, but he writes everything in um not that clear cursive. Uh, and it was just it's hard to read cursive on really, really blurry, you know, just screens. Uh so unfortunately I couldn't find that out for all of our really, really curious audience. Oh yeah. We'll have to we'll have to do a follow-up episode sometime where we present this episode to a forensic analysis i don't know to bones to figure out yeah (laughs) (laughs) somebody call emily deschanel we need her on baywatch rookie school yeah i mean listen emily deschanel if you're listening to this and you do want to come on baywatch rookie school you are welcome to you can have any episode you'd like i think she's actually on cameo huh I mean, we could get her, or for a lot less money, we could get Sheriff Joe Arpaio. Oh, no. He doesn't doesn't need our money. Yeah. He doesn't need it, nor do we want to give it. Yes. Next up, uh, Court is at the casino, because he's going to make a deal about Eddie's debt, and he rolls snake eyes on the abandoned craps table and says... Snake eye. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he said it. <laughs> yeah, this show has a really bad habit of just very obviously saying the episode title. 
Uh, there's multiple times. There's a few where they haven't. Like the credit of the shallows. There's never anybody going. There's that credit of the shallows. <laughs> but they, they also actually never say the villain's name because he is the Night Puncher, and they never say Night Puncher in the episode. So yeah. that's like the one episode exception. They do make up for it in "We Need a Vacation" by both opening and closing the episode with Craig saying. We need a vacation. <laughs> um, so, you know, there's some some real good and consistent writing on this show. Or, or like in uh, uh, in our favorite episode, Cool Cat Saves the Kids, they, <laughs> they say, ooh! <laughs> it's just, exactly. like, just like that Twitter account that makes up the title of a movie being in the script. Oh, um, yes. If they actually commit to it here. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, for once, Baywatch commits to something. Yeah. <laughs> but after he uh, rolls some snake eyes, he rolls the dice again uh, and realizes that they're snake eyes again. And these dice are probably rigged. Um, so uh, Mr. Mr. Casino owner whose name I am forgetting and didn't write D- down. It's Don Vier. Don Vier. Don Vier, thank you. Don Vier. Space. <laughs> Don, Don Dan, Space Vier. Dan Vier, if you're British and don't care how to pronounce that. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Mr. Don Corleone. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I run into casino. Um, <laughs> Mr. Dom DeLuise is here running a casino on a boat. Uh, it's such a great career resurgence for him. I'm so excited to see what happens next. <laughs> yep. I'm sure there are other people whose names we could make a joke about being either Don or Dom, but... Uh... <laughs> yes, there are. <laughs> Many. Um, Court m- bets Mr. Don Vier that uh, Court can roll Snake Eyes a third time, and if he does, he'll forgive all of Eddie's debt, and... Then Mr. Donvier says, okay, despite the fact that, like, shouldn't he know that his casino games are rigged? So it, it's like, not it's not done like that. The way he does it is he so he gives him 500 and then says, right. I bet 1000. Um, but then he like makes a bet. The way he makes a bet is just like it could come off enough as like, oh, it's a lucky bet. But Court sells it so badly by just immediately going, I win, and then walking away so that Don Vier then realizes, oh, he knows it's rigged. Yeah, but what does Court do with that information of knowing it's rigged? Like, Don Vier has big, burly henchmen with flat tops and... No, like, not big, burly henchmen, big, burly henchman. Well, we see at least one other. Yeah, there's one guy in a tux and one guy who's just wearing... A members-only jacket. Yeah, but that guy's in a locked room. That's true. So, like, what's he going to do? Get out of the room? That's not where he lives, (laughs) you dumbo. (laughs) Yeah, sounds like like Mr. Donvier's got a real problem here, and the only thing he can do is let court cheat at Donvier's cheated casino games so that Eddie has to pay less money. Uh, this plot is convoluted and dumb. Um, <laughs> it's so simple that it makes no sense. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also that it's convoluted and simple, but still yeah. dumb at the same time. 
Yeah. The Baywatch secret. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's how they made all that money and then got canceled after this season. Um, <laughs> um, next up, Court goes and tells Eddie and Craig that, hey, the dice are loaded, and so we should go rob the casino. And Eddie and Court very, or Eddie and Craig very, uh, quickly go from we shouldn't do this to we totally should. And it seemed out of character for Craig, but we'll later learn why he did it. And it still is kind of dumb. Um, yeah. Next up, uh, Amanda shows back up to Mitch's place and they. Whoa, 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 whoa. Before before we get to that, are we not going to talk about how Court gets a fucking harpoon? Uh, oh, do we see it at this point? I thought we didn't see it until the dive scene. No, no, no. So unless for some reason they include this scene in my version, not in yours. Do you have the watermelon scene? The watermelon scene? <laughs> the inexplicable watermelon scene. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I guess for some reason they have this scene in the remaster. So what happens is that, you know, Craig gets upset. And then the next scene is Craig and Eddie start walking on the beach. And all of a sudden, uh, Eddie's like, Oh, so you got the thing? And Court just pulls out a harpoon, like a fucking harpoon. And Eddie's like, do you remember how to use it? And he's like, yeah, I remember how to use it. And so Eddie is holding a watermelon and he puts on the beach and then says, let's personalize it. So he starts drawing a face on it. He draws some eyes and a mouth and then says, let her rip. And then Court just no, aims this is it. Extremely not in the version I watched. <laughs> okay, so Court then aims the harpoon at it, and they get this like zoom in of him and the trigger, and he just shoots it, and it goes right through the watermelon and blows it all up. Like it's really what? fucking violent. And then Eddie turns to Court, and Court goes, "We're gonna have some fun." And then that's the scene. Yeah, it was really bizarre and i think eddie asked like where should i put this and he says well just don't hold it in your hand or whatever and it's like yeah I, I, eddie's pretty stupid but i don't think he's that stupid <laughs> you know a court says something like oh yeah you should put it on your head or something oh, yeah uh, something, something like that but it comes out of nowhere because it just goes from craig being upset to court having a harpoon uh and <laughs> the, the context here is court was in the navy but i'm like or, or was he a Marine? I can't remember which. I but, forget. But, like, they usually don't just, like, mainline harpoons, you know? <laughs> also, like, not how they were using the harpoon later. Spoiler alert. Right, Spoiler yeah. Alert. <laughs> yeah. Now, it, it, it makes no sense, because when you watch the scene, you're like, is he going to kill someone with a harpoon? And it's like, nah, fam, he's just using it for the rope. <laughs> Yeah, I just went back and, like, opened my copy of the episode and skipped to that part. It goes straight from them planning into the um, Amanda and Mitch scene. I'll have to send you a a clip later. It's it's somehow the most buck wild thing, uh, yet the rest of this episode is also buck wild. Yes. Um. Yeah, this next scene is it's uh, it's a real brief one, not particularly consequential. Uh, Amanda shows up to Mitch's place for her briefcase, uh, and both of them apologize at the same time. Cause oh, cute we don't funny. get this scene. Interesting. Yeah, it's like 
45 seconds of them just being like, I'm sorry that I was bad. And then the other one being like, no, I'm sorry. And then uh, Amanda says something and Mitch goes, well, now I just have to win back the both of you, referring to Amanda and Hobie. And Amanda says, you should start with me. And then they make out. Oh, yeah. No, they go from literally (laughs) the, you know, dead watermelon right to Amanda handing out test scores. Oh, yeah. I mean, that is the next scene here as well. But that's funny that they swapped out the like romance plot for a watermelon plot (laughs) (laughs) there's there's too much love we need more watermelon (laughs) i watched them both and i didn't like realize what was missing from each one because they're like neither is a particularly consequential scene so i don't know why they like what do you mean particularly consequential he shoots a watermelon with a harpoon (laughs) like he's gonna murder a man (laughs) but i mean i guess i could see why they would cut that one more than the like apologizing one because it's yeah. very misleading what he's going to do to Don Vier's watermelon head, apparently. With <laughs> I, I watch Baywatch for the creative violence, not for the sexy love stuff. Ew. <laughs> Ew, get your cooties away from me, Baywatch. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, like you mentioned, next up, it's time for test results. Um. And Amanda's handing him back to all the students, and Hobie aced the test. And so his friend turns to him and says, I guess you're right, Hobe. Your tracks are greased, which is an expression that people use for sure. And do you know do you know what score Jeremy got? No. He got a C minus. Aww. Uh, Jeremy is a fucking loser, and he's such a loser <laughs> that he just doesn't appear ever again in this episode. Yep. I don't think he ever appears again in Baywatch either, but if that's the case, then he's just so bad at tests that he just died. <laughs> Maybe that's where the harpoon got used. <laughs> if you get below a C on a test, we shoot you with a harpoon. That is the American educational system. <laughs> oh, man. Next, uh, we get ourselves a little scene where Hobie is sitting and looking melancholy on the beach. Uh, and Mitch brings him a new surfboard because he aced the test. Um, but Hobie is too guilty about having cheated to accept the board and gives it back to Mitch. Uh, and then he tells Mitch that he cheated. And Mitch says, don't worry, I won't tell Amanda but you do, because otherwise you're going to summer school. Seems like he'll probably go either way, given that he would get a zero on the test. <laughs> yeah. And if we're supposed to believe that he's been like a bad student this whole year, like it kind of feels like telling your teacher that you cheated on the test is not going to stop you from having to go to summer school. But, you know, can sorry, one interjection here. Mm-hmm. Not related. Um, <laughs> I just did a quick Google search. Um, sure. And RJ Williams, who plays Jeremy, created a um, created uh, a brand called Young Hollywood. Uh, and it is apparently like the 12th most viewed channel on YouTube, period. What? Uh, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
he also just like has all of these crazy brands. He's an entrepreneur. He's worth um, apparently over a billion dollars. Um, fuck. Argent yeah, net worth. That's, that's what it <laughs> yeah, he just he he works with all of these different agencies. Uh, you name it, he's worked with them to promote like young Hollywood actors. Um, and he's oh. produced shows for Showtime, and he's only forty two, uh, which is pretty fucking impressive. Uh, yeah. But right now, we're about to find out the the dreaded question of. Was he on Baywatch for is for more than one episode? Is this the is this the end of Jeremy? We're about to find <laughs> out. Oh no, he's in two episodes. So this Maybe is not the Todd end. Come back and Todd like shoves him in a dumpster or something. <laughs> oh, sorry. This is actually the end of Jeremy. He plays a different character named named Tackler. <laughs> so this is the end. Luckily, um. Or unfortunately, Dink the Dinosaur ended a year prior uh, <laughs> at only four episodes. Um, so it's the end of Dink. But don't worry, um, he gets to appear on Pro Stars. Uh, John, do you know the show Pro Stars? Uh, I do not recall that show. Uh, Pro Stars is a show where um, Wayne Gretzky, Michael Jordan, and Bo Jackson, of course, the top three guys you think of when you think of sports, team up to solve crime. Uh, but specifically, I mean, like, what? In 1991, those probably were, like, the guys you would want. So that is kind of impressive, actually. It, I mean, it, the interesting part for Bo Jackson is that they really play into, like, that he does multiple sports. Um but they respond to emergencies around the world in the way that, like, Inspector Gadget would, uh, where it's just like, hey, there's an evil villain who has a secret base in a volcano. Hey, somebody call Wayne Gretzky. <laughs> He'll solve this. Um, and I remember watching this show live. Um, now, the best part about it that I remember is that Bo Jackson has his own punchline for the show. Which is just Bo knows. Um, I mean, that's his like punchline throughout life. So I don't know if it started there or. What. I hope it did because these thirteen episodes in nineteen ninety one changed the world forever. Um, and that's why and you're the world's biggest sports fan today. Show. <laughs> you know me over here watching my football, my tennis, and my pro wrestling. I think it's fair to say that I'm the biggest sports fan who has ever existed. Um, you know, I just have so much free time for watching sports. That's why they call and, you Michael Sportsman Eisen. Yeah, I think that's why uh, my whenever I walk into a room, that song, nah, 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 hey, sports uh, plays. Um <laughs> And everybody knows the words. Is that Rich Eisen? No, it's Michael Eisen. <laughs> not, not the NFL Network guy. <laughs> what about Michael Eisner? No, that's the Disney guy. Oh, oh, Michael Eisen, the sports guy. Yeah. The best. You, you mean Michael world. Eisen, the, the PhD biologist who, if you look him up on Google, has a lizard on his head? No, the sports <laughs> Michael Eisen. Oh, I got you now. <laughs> 
I've done this many times. Don't worry. <laughs> yep. Where were um, we? <laughs> <laughs> you know what hasn't been done a lot of times? What? Uh, Eddie and Court trying to sneak on board a ship. <laughs> with uh, a harpoon. With a harpoon. So, uh, Craig, Gina, Eddie, and Court are in a boat heading to the casino, and Eddie and Court are in wetsuits, and they dive off the boat right before they get to the casino, and Craig and Gina are going all the way to the boat to act as a distraction, um, and so they go inside, and then Court has his grappling hook, and Eddie says, you've got to be kidding me, and Court says, Court. John Court. Um, and I rolled my eyes. Yep. Um, but I did really enjoy. So we cut immediately to Gina and Craig at um, a blackjack table. And Gina says, it's getting late. What do you think happened to Eddie and double O bonehead? And I was like, OK, they know what they're doing and they're lampshading it. Like, OK, this is actually kind of funny. <laughs> um, I, I smirked. Yeah. It's not good writing, but it is cocaine-fueled clever writing. Yeah, fair. Counts for something. <laughs> yep. Um, I was also glad to hear that um, Baywatch was making references to uh, the previous episode where we talked about Cool Cat um, by continuing the Boneheads line of people. Um, That's a reference and no one's going to remember. Nope, but... It made me laugh, so that's all that really matters. That, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, they refer to the guy who drives the boat as Mac a couple of times, but he doesn't speak. Is he like a character that appears ever before this? Or nope, no. Okay, he's nope. probably just an extra they didn't want to pay to speak. So yep. <laughs> this cool. show is the show is really weird about naming people because sometimes you'll have a character with a speaking role who doesn't get named until literally 90 seconds before the episode ends, despite being one of two main characters in a B plot. And then other times you'll learn the name of the unspeaking boat driver. Um, <laughs> and other times you'll have a character who speaks and you're like, well, they seem pretty significant. And you won't learn their name until you read on IMDb that their name is Todd. <laughs> <laughs> or that they are called the Night Puncher. Uh, you know, just things like that. They're very, very odd about that. Yeah, yeah like the X-ray on Amazon didn't have uh, Amanda. So I was like, who is this? But it did have the guy they threw off of the boat. Um, <laughs> Wait, what's his name? Wow. I think it was like. Jack or something. I was like, that's like a big character later on. Or no, absolutely not. She, she's in like guy. she's in like four episodes, so they should have her name. I know. It's very weird. <laughs> but also, he's not a Jack. Like that's not a guy you name Jack. That's a guy you name like Bauer or something. <laughs> Jack Bauer. Oh, I get why I thought of that now. <laughs> Star of twenty four. <laughs> yeah. That's why, okay, this makes a lot of sense. <laughs> Eddie and Court make it onto the boat, and Court pulls out a smoke grenade and drops it into a doorway, and then locks the doorway, and... Oh, then... uh, but first, but first, mm -hmm. we see uh, Jack slash Vanilla Ice, um, he goes up to a door, and there's a secret code. You knock, they knock. 
You knock, they knock. And then you say, damn it, Darter, open the door. And then they open up the door. <laughs> uh, and it's very bad as a, it's a very unsecure password because anyone could see you do it. And they're just like, I know how to do it. Done. Yeah. And that's where all your money is. I wanted to make yeah. clear the the henchman does not have a name. The guy he throws off of the boat does have a name in the x-ray. But I don't see oh. him on IMDb. So that was oh. why I was especially. <laughs> That's even worse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> like, I got to know all of my characters. If they have violence happening to them, I need to know what prayer to say for them. I need to know their name. <laughs> do they Wait, do they have names for all the people who jump off the boats later? <laughs> I wish. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, uh, Court Court performs the very secure, very safe, very secret password ritual, um, which, like you described, is knocking and yelling, um, and throws a smoke grenade, and then Craig asks if fire was part of the plan, and it wasn't. So Craig and Gina and the rest of the casino all evacuate. Well, he, um, he tells everyone extremely not suspiciously to please yeah. move to the nearest exit. And I'm like, who the fuck are you? Yeah. I also don't know the evacuation procedure if there's a boat fire, but I don't think it's jump 30 feet to the water below <laughs> while we're in a tuxedo. Which yeah. Which like four people did. Yeah. <laughs> I showed in flomo. <laughs> it's just smoke and you're out in the open air. It's going to dissipate. Just cover your face. No need to jump off into the water at a distance where you cannot swim back to shore. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, every other time we've seen fire on a boat, there's been like a out of proportion explosion. Yeah, they're going to die from an explosion <laughs> like that. Why jump off the boat? You're going to die anyways. Yeah, that's true. This has happened at least three times. They should learn their lesson by now. <laughs> yeah, why haven't these extras watched Baywatch yet? <laughs> <laughs> Probably because, you know, they're still airing. They're still you know shooting the first season. Mm-hmm. But once it comes out in a few weeks, you know, then they'll then they'll air it and they'll see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everyone's jumping overboard. Um, and Craig gets into the vault or court gets into the vault, uh, with all the money and punches a goon. Um, Craig is like, where's court? And so he goes back into the ship and then Eddie starts trying to fight our flat topped goon, uh, and is very ineffective at it. He does knock him out with one punch though. He does. But then the next time we see the two of them, the guy is back up and fighting Eddie so oh that must be an extra scene like so I mean, he he throws him off the off the boat they flail for a while one punch and he's dead oh yeah 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 so the punch later yeah just like completely knocks him out oh yeah okay yeah 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 yeah, yeah so craig craig sees court in the vault and courts arguing with a goon and then punches a goon and now he's got access to the money except mr donvier shows up and points a gun at court but luckily, Craig and Garner showed up just in time, and Court uh, is mad that the cops got involved. And oh, but wait, but wait, before that, mm-hmm. what line does he say? Oh, I, I don't have this written down. Oh, he says a very, very, very important line, which is, "Looks like, like you, you rolled, rolled snake, snake eyes." eyes. <laughs> 
Yeah, which made my eyes roll snake eyes, am I right? <laughs> I have in my notes that line and then four cry laughing emojis because it was so funny. <laughs> <laughs> and I was I was glad that they mentioned the title again because I was worried. You for you forgot if which episode and show you were watching, so you need to be reminded. <laughs> like was I was I watching this for that other sports podcast I was supposed to be on, <laughs> or for that Bay? Oh, it's the Baywatch one. Cool. <laughs> the real question though is if that's a funnier gag, or if the fact that Court took some money. But hit it in two places is a funnier gag. I think um, it's double the funny, so it's by far <laughs> therefore funnier. I just like imagining that he hit it in a third place and just walks away with other money because they yeah. <laughs> apparently knew that he would come back th- twice, but didn't yeah. check a third time. So that was my theory as well in watching this. I was like, there's no way Court hasn't been through this before. <laughs> like, he's a smuggler. He's just like your generic TV, charismatic, skeezy dude. Like, he's definitely hid money on him before. And like the no, but really all the money is a thing that like it can't be that uncommon. You know what? I, I just realized this is our first episode with Court where he hasn't held up a beer stein and had someone punch it. That's true. Because <laughs> that's his that's his his move that he does when he gets into a fight is hold yeah. up a beer stein. So one punches it and he goes, that works every time. Um, <laughs> but it would have worked this what? time if he had done it. But he didn't. It, it's true. We're not joking. Yeah. yeah, it's it's his signature move. Yep. OK. <laughs> yep. Yeah. No, it. So <laughs> when you watch the episode and see him do it, uh, it makes exactly as much sense as us describing it to you just now does. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's it was like interesting the first time you're like oh that seems like that hurts and then and then they do it again you're like oh please don't please don't do that we have to see this every time now and this time i'm like oh he just punched the dude okay that's fine (laughs) yeah court doesn't get into a single bar fight this episode which is a first for him i'm disappointed smoke grenade and a harpoon so (laughs) (laughs) He, he, he hit those when he left the navy just in his jacket and didn't check. <laughs> yeah. The, the, uh, we can also get the other court trope, which is he has a different girlfriend every week, um, mm-hmm. which, you know, I'm glad that girl named Ruby this week. I'm, I'm sure there's great things in store for her. Probably not. <laughs> she can hang out with Mac and Vanilla Ice Henchman after this. <laughs> yeah. Their big role in this series. Yeah. So that was the episode so with that in mind let's do a little bit of a rating scale here so john uh for this episode our rating scale is of course one to ten but one being you're walking on a muddy beach and there's twigs and there's glass all around the beach and every step stick some of those twigs and glass deeper into your foot and ten is sniffing mitch's abs where would you rate this uh probably put this at a riding a bike uncomfortably along a beach and avoiding the twigs and uh, stones, which is probably around a five. Ooh, okay, okay. Morgan? Yeah, I actually was going to give this a five as well. Um, This feels like a very middle-of-the-road episode. Um, You got got some highs um, in things like, you know, all the wonderful lines... Um, like 
hey, don't go knocking on my back door, Pomeroy, and clapping erasers. Um, but then you also just have the rest of this episode, which which was kind of slow. Like, for an action-y episode, not a lot happens. But yeah, I would call it a five, uh, and I would call a five um, showing up in your very best power suit, but realizing that it is, in fact, the an inappropriate time to be wearing a power suit. <laughs> I, I am also going to give it a five. Um, I would say a five is... Uh, finding out that clapping erasers is actually a, a sexual euphemism, uh, <laughs> but not realizing that you said that to your teacher. Um, yeah, it's not great. Um, but here's what we have in store for the next episode. Ooh, our next episode is called Eclipse. Uh, and here's our plot. So from the Baywatch wiki, Eddie believes he sees a ghost in the water and as others believing that he is losing his mind, Hobie learns that a friend's pet is going to be put to sleep for an alleged attack and resolves to help both of them. Uh, that seems that seems great. Um, but the IMDB description, a little more interesting. When a rookie lifeguard claims he saw an apparition of a young girl running through the surf in a white nightgown, everyone thinks he's crazy. But when the lifeguard turns up dead after being drowned, Eddie is haunted by the same apparition and revives a painful memory of the drowning of his sister. Meanwhile, (laughs) I know, right? Meanwhile, Hobie attempts to babysit for a friend's dog in his house without Mitch noticing. (laughs) So yeah, I feel like those two uh, descriptions are very different. Yeah. Um, I'm not the, sure those are of the same episode. The IMDb one is also attributed to Anonymous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, th- I think that plot description was written by the ghostly apparition. Yeah. Um, now, you know, I, I do think that we are getting to a point here where we're closing in on near the end of the season here this episode wasn't you know necessarily great uh we are coming up on shark derby Mm -hmm. which is uh from what i could find the highest rated episode of baywatch on imdb from from other research i did it's not necessarily like fans favorite but it's the highest critically acclaimed episode of baywatch um and we have been um hyping this up for now about 17 weeks <laughs> this episode uh and so it clearly has to live up to the hype of course that's how hype works um and then we'll be getting to the end of the season now as we get you know past the end of the season morgan and i have some really fantastic things in store for the podcast that mm-hmm. we've been working on over the past week and a half we've worked on a few things uh, that we're really, really excited about uh, that uh, I think are going to be a lot of fun. Um, and it kind of makes me sad that there's we have to watch more episodes of Baywatch to get there. But at the same time, <laughs> I like watching Baywatch, so I'm not too sad about it. Uh, on the other hand, we also mean to get more great guests like John, uh, mm-hmm. who we're very happy was here on the episode. And John, you're invited to come back Anytime you want, uh, uh, just let us know. Uh, I K 
can't promise it will be a better episode because that's not how this works. It's hard um, to top this one. We all gave it a solid five out of ten. <laughs> it was worse than uh, Jeremy's uh, test score, so that's pretty. Bad. That's fair, uh, and I'm sure, John. I have sent you things worse than this. Um, I would probably send you something worse than this every single day. Um, (laughs) Just like that's the nature of our friendship. Uh, So I'm sure coming on to a Baywatch podcast isn't ultimately that bad of a thing. Um, But yeah, please come back anytime. We'd love to have you back. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just we'll try to make sure it's not a gambling episode. (laughs) <laughs> no, that'll just be my my niche is uh, joining as the gambling episode only guest. Yeah. Well, you're also has to, you have to be our sports guy. So anytime there's any sport, we'll have to be like, John, please explain how sports work to us. Yes, um, I'm and happy to do so. <laughs> yes, you can uh, talk about Dragon Ball Z and wrestling, and uh, Morgan can talk about cars because mm-hmm. I know nothing about this. <laughs> I mean. You you know a thing or two about wrestling, but not not like I know to the point middle school great Kali era wrestling as we all that's know fair. The, the epic that's, of wrestling is the great Kali era pre. That's fair. You know enough about it to where it seems like you have a normal set of interests for a human being <laughs> as opposed to me, <laughs> where it just seems like a problem I should talk to my therapist about. Um, so that's fair. As long as you have a little bit of everything, a little potpourri of interest there, um, that's what we're looking for. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I think uh, I think the last thing to say is thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Baywatch Rookie School. Uh, if you want to find us on Twitter, our show handle is at Rookie School Pod. I'm at Morgan P. Thrapp. I am at Snotsnit, S-N-O-T, S-N-I-T, and John, what about you? I am Jma Gill, J-M-A-G-I-L. And you can there listen to or read John just endlessly talk about soccer. No, um, <laughs> but one sport I don't like. Um, <laughs> yeah, just a, just a place where you can hear me complain about like Seattle politics and sports mostly and you know how the America sucks. You know the the regular stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, also, also read John sarcastically respond to my tweets uh, with funnier <laughs> comments than my own, uh, which just makes me feel very unfunny. Anyways, thank you for listening. <laughs> yes, thank you all so much, and thank you again, John, for joining us for this episode. We'll see y'all next week, and just remember. Hips, lips, and fingertips. Ugh, ew. Uh. <laughs>